Yeah, good morning, church family. Um, ko Kelly toko ingoa no England o kutupuna kitinohu o ki Rolleston. Um, my name is Kelly. I'm here. I'm staff here at Cornerstone. I work with the youth, young people, and intermediates, and young adults. Sorry. Young adults, my awesome young adults. By the way, young adults, I will be testing you that you paid attention this afternoon in group. Just checking. Okay. So, like I said, I live here in Rolleston. Oh, too many buttons. With um, my amazing kids, Isaac and Sophia. They're both teenagers. They're both here in our youth group as well. Um, and just for a little bit of comedy, because everyone needs a laugh, this is what passes for normal in my house. I have a dog that thinks it's a cat and a cat that thinks it can guard the house. So, yeah, this is totally normal in my home. Um, I graduated Bible College in 2008, and I've been in ministry for 24-plus years, both working in the community and the wider church. Um, so that's just a little bit of background about me for those that I haven't had the privilege of meeting yet. Um, so the last few weeks, who's really enjoyed the sermons we've, we've had on Ephesians? Man, they've been awesome. Amazing theology um, and just really encouraging messages. Um, so this week I've decided to go back to Christianity 101 and kind of bring something that can be quite practical because one of the things I'm really passionate about is God's work, God's word being outworked in our lives. I love theology, don't get me wrong. At Bible college I was all about the essays. I could just talk about anything forever. But if we're not outworking what we're learning, then we're not growing. And it's all about growing. So um, for some of you, this will be like, oh yeah, I'm doing that. Cool. Pat on the back. That's fantastic. But for others, some of the stuff might be quite a new concept. Um, and for the record, it's a real privilege to be a part of a church that is so outward focused. You guys, I just think you're amazing. Amazing. Okay, so for those that like taking notes, the title is um, Loving Your Neighbour in Today's World. Now, what was that saying my mum always said? Don't tell grandma how to suck eggs. Has anyone heard that one? It's a weird one. but And part of me does feel a little bit like that because it's, it's like, man, I have seen you guys pouring out God's love to your neighbours. I mean, honestly, to be a part of this church and see the ministry and the work and the love and the generosity of your hearts is just so encouraging. But we're going to break this down a bit together anyway. So, love. In English, love is love. But when we actually look at the translation of the Bible, it's a word agape. And the um, Thayer Dictionary of the Bible describes it as a love feast. In English, we so often don't have the words to um, really grasp the concept of what has been written in Greek or Hebrew, and we kind of, there's a whole lot we miss. So um, I'd like you to indulge me for a minute. I'd like you to close your eyes, just, just for a few seconds, and I want you to picture a feast. So imagine, for some of you, you might be picturing this medieval banquet. That, that's fine. We'll, we'll roll with that. For others, it might be rows and rows of tables with food everywhere. You see, the thing about a feast is there's more than enough. And when someone puts on a feast for you, there's an abundance, and it's the best you're not going to put on a feast and have a few scraps at the table. A feast 
is more than enough. And for those that can't picture images in their head, I've just popped one up there on the screen for you. Now that's a feast I could get into. That looks yeah, pretty good. So when we talk about agape love, we're talking about a love fest. It's unconditional, it's gracious, it's inclusive, it's generous. There are no strings attached and it is an action, not a feeling. You see, in English we, we hear love and often our first thought is a feeling. But anyone in here been married more than 30 years? You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Love is an action and a choice. You don't wake up every morning, well you might, Mike, because we all know you just are the doting husband, but you don't wake up every day with warm fuzzies. Some days you wake up and go, yep, and you get on with your day. No judgment, because it's a choice. It's an action. It's not just about your feelings. So, background of teaching, can't help myself. Who can tell me what the greatest commandment is? Go on. As soon as I hear it, yet? Incoming. All right, well done. Oh, that wasn't a very good thing. Yeah, well, this, the, you get a second chance. And what was the second one? There's a fight. We'll just let them fight it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, it was funny because when I was writing this, I um, was taken back to um, kids' church and this Catholic school holidays camps and stuff. And uh, where's Kendall when I need her? But there was that song. It's like, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love all of mankind as you would love yourself. And then it went in canon. And the thought did cross my mind to make you do that this morning. Just pure amusement for me. But it's one of those principles that we were taught as kids in song and it's stuck. And I'm, honestly, I think that's going to be rolling. You're going to be humming that this afternoon going, Kelly, why did you? Yeah. But it's such a foundational principle of Christianity. But we need to pause at this bit. Because... You know, it says, love the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Most of us can get our heads around that bit. And then the second part is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. <clears throat> I have been a mentor for many, many years. And a reoccurring theme I keep coming back to is so many of God's children don't know how to love themselves in a godly way because they've not had a divine revelation of God's love for them. You see, we can't pour out of an empty cup. We can't give what we don't have. You see... When we haven't had that divine revelation of God's abundant love for us, it's like you might as well be going into a, a, another country and not understanding the cultures and the. It's so opposing to our natural humanity 
God's love flies in the face of a lot of what the world holds dear. And the value, your value, if you are using your measuring stick against everything that the world says you need to be or need or should be, you're never going to be able to stand in God's love. We need to find God's love for ourselves. And... 1 John 3, 1, it says, Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvellous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. John three sixteen for love For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is one of my favourites about God's love for us. Ephesians three seventeen. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside of you. And the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all of its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond all measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. How huge is that? Every time I read that, I feel like I've just got to take a minute because there is just so much to soak in. And it's funny, when I, when I read things like this, I, I get excited for people. There's this joy that, that builds up in me. And it's like when I'm imagining this agape, this love feast that God has for us. I, sorry, Susie, but I, I just see people like you just running to that banquet and just come with me, come with me, come with me because you know what God's love is and you want to share that love. The revelation that's in here is for each and every one of us and we need more Susies and Jans in this world that just want to take you on the ride. They want you to feel the love of the Father and then... Romans 5.8, but God commends his love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that's what we were talking about before. It's like, God, he's the craftsman. He's the one that mends the brokenhearted. If, if we needed to come to God all perfect, no one would ever get there. But in all of our failings, and all of our past, and all of the things sometimes people are even too ashamed to share, God was like, I've got you. I'm sending my son for you. You see, in the early years of my faith, I, I thought I had to earn God's love. So you would quite often find me doing, constantly doing, trying to be a good girl. 
And I remember going to a young adults conference and one of the speakers there said, you know, God isn't remotely interested in you being a good girl. And I was like, I know what now? Well, what do you mean? But I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to earn my little brownie badge and I'm trying. I, I, I didn't even have a drink last week. Like, I'm not joking, but you know where I'm going. So she said, he's not interested in me being a good girl. Being a good girl is a byproduct from my relationship with God. And that just changed my whole, just, just everything. I mean, right. Because getting that message of I can't earn my way, you know, everyone said to me, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more or less. I knew that in here, but in here, it hadn't dropped. I understood the theory. I knew the words, but my heart wasn't open to receive that unconditional, undeserved, unfailing love. Everyone in my life had rejected me. I'd lived on the streets. I'd been passed from pillar to post. I'd been sent to juvie because there were no foster homes. I was rejected most of my life. So why would this God, master of the universe, why would he accept me when no one else did? Surely I had to to be better. And if I was just that little bit better, he wouldn't kick me out or get angry with me. Or if I studied really, really hard and, and could quote scriptures, maybe then... God would never turn his back on me. But it wasn't until I had that absolute divine revelation of God's unwavering love was I set free. Now, I can blow it big time, know that I can come to my father, and he won't reject me. He might say, really, Kelly? Come on, you're better than that. But he's not going to reject me. He's not going to abandon me. He's not going to give up on me. You see, God's word says that he sends his word out and it will not come back void until it is sent. It is completed what it has been sent to do. And I am a work in progress. And there are words spoken over my life and spoken over your life that have not come to fruition yet. God's not given up. We don't give up either. But it's really important to know that revelation of God's unconditional, undeserved love. You see, Romans 8.38, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I look at it like this. I love my children unconditionally. Do I like my children unconditionally? No. Do I like all their behaviours and their decisions and their choices? No. There are times where, honestly, I want to bang my head up against a brick wall and go, really? Really? And some of the things they do, I have to put boundaries and consequences in place. I don't enjoy doing it, but I have to do it. 
but it does not affect the measure of my love towards my children. I can be fuming at them, but my love for them does not change. How much more is our Father's love? How much, you know, we quite often get mixed up between God's love for us and God's discipline. They're not separate. They're one and the same. You know, in the, in the, uh, the well-quoted scripture where we talk about, you know, the, though I go through the valley of darkness, you, you know, my rod and my staff guide me. God's very, he, do, he makes no secret that he's got a rod and he's got a staff for a reason because he protects us. And there's times where we're setting ourselves up to fail and making decisions we shouldn't and God intervenes. But he chastises those he loves. So don't ever mistake God's correctional conviction for God's lack of love. If anything, see it as a confirmation of the love of God. Because he's going, "Uh uh-uh, you're better than that. I've called you for more. I believe in you. You see, if I didn't believe my kids had potential, I wouldn't bother. If I thought my kids were going to amount to nothing, why would I invest? But God has invested in each and every one of you. So now once we've got a revelation of God's grace and unfailing, undeserved love and receive this gift, that's when we're able to give it to others. So I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Right, now turn to the neighbor that you didn't pick first and say, I am loved by God. (sighs) Sorry, I set you up for that one. Right, so let's have a quick look at who our neighbour is. The answer is really, really simple. Whether it's a story like the Good Samaritan, someone you come across in the street, whether it's your neighbours to your left or right across the road from you, whether it's that really irritating work colleague, they aren't your neighbours. If it's whoever God brings across your path, no exceptions, I'm looking at you. No exceptions, miss. I can see that grin on your face. It's like I said earlier, I'm really passionate about the practical outworkings of God's word. So now we know who our neighbours are, and we know what the agape love of God is, and that that is what we're meant to share. How do we do this practically? First and foremost, we learn from God. Psalm 86.15, But you, O God, are full of pity, and gracious, long-suffering, and rich in mercy and truth. Who here's not that keen on that one? No, just me? No. That sounds like a lot of hard work. That sounds like sacrifice. That sounds like I have to give up my right to be annoyed at people. Not 100% keen. We'll, we'll, we'll see where this goes, see if it gets any better. So God is our go-to. He is our ultimate example on how to love others. Two, Pray. Ask daily, make it a habit in your morning prayer. Lord, give me someone to bless today. Put someone across my path. Put someone on my heart that I can, I can bless. Get the names of your neighbours, not just number 42 and number 43. Find out their names and start praying for them by name. Especially the ones that play their stereo really loud and their dog never stops barking. They should be first on your list. 
in your small groups, pray for God to give you opportunities to share his love with others. Who knows what he might open up and show you. Get hands on. And now, full disclosure, this church is amazing at that. Like, I, honestly, I think you guys are incredible. Get to know your neighbours in your street. There might be a young family that would love a date night. And guess what? You're free to babysit. Or there might be a single mum on the street that could just really do with a meal dropped off. Just out of the blue, no strings attached. Just have a night off, hun. There might be, you know, opportunities to drop off Christmas baking just with a wee card that says, thinking of you this Christmas and your name and where you live. It might be, you know, hosting a community barbecue. Just put a flyer out in the mailboxes or even better, go knock on the doors and introduce yourself and go, hi, we just love that value, we value community. And so we want to invite you to journey in community with us. Contact your local hub or um, community hub or school and ask if there are any practical needs you can do or you could help with. Talk to the people that are already on the ground working in community. We have a lot of ministries and outreaches already running through our church. But there are so many practical things that can be done. If you even need anything, just seriously, come and find me. I will give you a list to choose from. And when I was writing this, I felt really strongly that this is for someone here today. And in your mind, you're like, I'm too busy. But I feel like God's wanting to remind you that he's called us to be fruitful, not busy. So take time, take a meeting with God and go, okay, God, what is on my list here that you've not asked me to do? What can I delegate? What can I release? And what is it that you're wanting me to pursue, Lord? Three, listen and act. When you hear God, when the Holy Spirit prompts you and you've got someone's name in your head, reach out to them. Don't let that moment where the Holy Spirit's prompting you pass you by. Don't go, oh no, it's probably just me. Give them a call, flick them a text. Reach out, see what happens. Because if nothing else, it's going to build your faith. Because you're going to go, oh yeah, I am hearing from God. And then it becomes easier and easier and easier. I've lost count the amount of times where God said to me, go do this. And sometimes it's been strange. Like God sent me on a drive to somewhere. And when I got there, there was a young person we're journeying with the community contemplating suicide. But God knew. Don't ever minimize how God can use you. So listen and listening's really important, but then act. Step out in faith. Be obedient straight away. Don't get, don't get discouraged. When I was thinking about discouragement when working with people in our community, there's, there's so many opportunities to get discouraged. You get something in your head and you're really excited about it and it doesn't work. And it made me think of Joshua. So... Joshua had watched Moses, like, aiming for the promised land, falling short, all this stuff happening, and then it's all sitting on him, and he's like, I've got to get these guys into the promised land, and he's like, oh, this is a lot. 
And God says to him, don't be discouraged. He doesn't say don't feel discouraged. He says don't be discouraged. You see, feelings come and go. And we choose whether we act on them or not. So I might feel discouraged in a moment, but I'm going to choose not to be. And therein lies the difference. Because when you're functioning out of discouragement or fear or failure, all the decisions you make going forward are tainted by those glasses. Where if you go, you know what, that was a bit discouraging, but I'm going to trust that God's going to keep going over here and you keep moving forward. So don't be discouraged. And ironically, Dre's already um, touched on my next point. It's a fence and it's a big one. When we, you know, offer to pray for people and they're like, Mm-mm, you're a bit weird, aren't you? It's easy to get offended, to get our little feelings hurt, because we're all emotional. We have feelings. Some people have bigger feelings than others, but they're very real. But the thing about offense is people will always offer it. It's like a little bowl of candy. Would you like to be offended? Would you like to be offended? We don't have to put our hand in the bowl and take it. It's a choice. We choose to pick up that offence. And some people will pick it up with both hands and hold it really close. This is my right to be offended. But actually, that's not what God's word says. God says, vengeance is mine. God says, love your enemies and bless those that curse you. So that little tempting bowl of chocolate offence, don't do it, don't go there. Just let it be. Now, I know for a lot of people, finances is a big thing. And when you think about loving your neighbour and you're thinking about hosting barbecues or dropping off food or, you know, money can be a boundary. It can be a thing that holds you back. I want to really encourage you guys that a smile and a kind word, man, that goes a long way. You know, the amount of times, especially this time of year, where I've gone into a shop and I've seen cashiers and they're like... (laughs) And it's like the next person who's mean to them is going to break them. Man, it's awful. And you see situations where people, you can just see everything about them is heavy and burdened. Our words have power. A kind word can change their entire day, their entire week. And it costs you nothing. I want to tell you um, a little story about this family that we live next door to in Strathmore. So we were renting a property and when we moved in we got warned that anyone who lives in this house will get broken into, all these things, bad things, blah, blah, blah. And I just went, it's where we're meant to be, God's got it. So we're minding our business and we start hearing severe domestic violence so I ring the police there's domestic violence going on next door he goes let me guess your address he goes we go round they don't lay charges there is nothing we can do right rung again the next time pretty much the same response so I decided right what's a different tact I can take I didn't give up I went and sat in my driveway, 
just in view of the little girl that would run outside to avoid what was going on every time. Just so she knew I was there. I didn't approach her. I felt to just be. And eventually, we built a rapport. I was the only European to be invited into that home. The grandfather was head of Black Power. They would often have gang full patch members over for drinks regularly. The son had taken over beating the mother when the father died. And this was a family that was impenetrable. And everyone in our home had been targeted because they'd been laying complaints about music and violence where I chose not to. And I didn't get disheartened when the police weren't stepping in. Instead, I said, okay, God, use me. How can I help this family? And he did. Was it tied up in a pretty bow? No. Were there times where it was absolutely terrifying? Yes. But I can tell you right now, without a word of a lie, as our little girl grew up, she marched down that, that driveway to where everyone was having a big booze up and party, and to an entire garage full of patch members and prospects, she went, shut your mouths, those two kids next door don't need to hear your foul language. I was just like, okay, Lord, all right. She had a courage that came from God's love. She started coming to our church. She started bringing other people. She was a different girl. But that all came because I didn't give up. And I kept pleading with God and asking him to let me be his hands and feet. To show his love. And it was a really humbling experience being the first European to be invited into their home. I was welcomed in. I was given their entire whakapapa. It was really humbling. And it's something I will never forget. So coming back to giving a kind word and a smile costs nothing. Especially in those situations like I was with Christina where I could have been really angry that their loud music and swearing was keeping my children up. I could have gone over there justified, full blazers raging. Stop it, you're keeping my kids up, this is unacceptable. But instead I chose to act in the opposite. And when you choose to act in the opposite, especially in those moments where the world tells you you're justified, I can tell you what, that's like a right hook to the enemy's face. That's the way to beat the enemy. Is not, not getting all, it's just by doing the right thing. By, yeah, blessing those that curse you and choosing to act in a spirit of love. You see, the, the world we live in, it's messy, man. It's a lot of the families I work with and have worked with in the past, they're desperate, they're frustrated, they're hurting. They don't know what hope in God is what are you talking about that's fairy la la to them you could say I'm going to pray for you and they're like oh yeah good on you what's that going to do they don't get it 
you know, that they're frustrated, they, they feel hopeless. And there is absolutely no point in me trying to shove the gospel in their face. What's that going to achieve? They can't think straight, they're hungry, they're stressed. We're called to be God's hands and feet, to bring God's love into a world through our works, our word and our deeds. So when you open those doors, when you reach out, you really need to be prepared for mess. This is something that I've seen split churches in half because they reach out and they underestimate the mess that comes back in. And it's like I said earlier, you know, it's, it's like healthy people don't need a doctor. It's the sick ones that do. So... The gap between the churched and the unchurched, as far as behaviour, it's growing. What's normal in society, for some of you, would your jaws, I'd have to pick them up off the ground. But it's normal. You see, belonging comes before behaviour. Can you repeat that one back to me? Belonging comes before behaviour. That is one of the most important things. If nothing else you can remember, remember this. Because if they feel like they belong to God, if they feel like they belong to God's family, then the behaviour will change. But if they feel like they've got to act a certain way to get this, it's not going to work and it's not going to stick. Don't sweat the small stuff. Things can be replaced. And remember, God doesn't need us to defend him. (gasps) Oh no, what did she just say? He's got pretty big shoulders, people. What he wants from us is to share his love and the message of salvation. You know, it's that saying, you know, we're called to be examples, not hall monitors. So when you reach out there, when you reach out to the neighbour and the neighbour's like, oh, F-bomb this and drop in all sorts of awesome words, I'd love to come to the barbecue. <laughs> That's when you go, oh, exciting. <laughs> and on the inside, you're like, okay, I need to teach my kids when to do earmuffs so they're not listening. But in all reality, that's a win. Because you've put an invitation out there to share God's love. And yep, it's rough around the edges and it's not in a pretty bow, but it's a great place to start. It's that whole thing of, you know, what, what are those? They don't, don't try and fill it the fish before you've even caught it. I love that saying. Not that I'm a fisherman, I just really like it. And the other thing is, is the, the disappointment stuff. You know, not everyone you reach out to is going to turn their lives around. Some people you can help over and over and over again, and they don't change. But don't be discouraged and don't be disheartened because every interaction plants a seed. You might not get to see the fruit of that seed, but 15 years later, Joe Blog or Horatio, who's pastoring church down over there, he gets to see the fruition of the seeds you planted. So do not give up. Continue to seek opportunities to serve and share God's love. For those who are loved by God, Let his love continually pour from you to one another because God is love. 
Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. If I'm being really real with you guys, and it, it puts you in a bit of a vulnerable, so I, I might not get you to put your hands up, but how many of you could say you could do with an infreshing revelation of God's love for you? If you feel like putting your hand up, go for it. Yeah? How many of you remember what it was like when you first gave your heart to Jesus? Can anyone remember? Do any of you miss that feeling? It was so open with possibilities. Everything was exciting and new. But God has exciting and new stuff for us every day. God's spirit and his revelation is new every day. You see, he hasn't stopped speaking to us. He hasn't stopped loving us. we just got to tune our dials back in. So I want to encourage you, if, you, if I could have the team back up, please. Worship team. If that's you this morning and you're like, you know what, God, just take me and love on me. I just, I just want a fresh and filling of your love. Then come forward. Sometimes even if you're not having intense prayer sometimes it's just that step of obedience going here I am if there's something you feel like that's in the way and blocking that absolutely we'd love to pray for you because it starts here it starts with God's people and we get to then take it out to the community so if we're not whole if we're not walking in that abundant love of God, what hope do we have out there? So, yeah, I will ask you to stand. And as we press into this song of worship, I do, I really want to encourage you just to come forward and soak in God's love for you, His abundant undeserved, unconditional love.